So I want to talk about today prodigal children, and that is the prodigal son or daughter. What do you do when you have a prodigal son or daughter? Now, I really believe that our society, especially our society today, produces prodigal children. I mean, if the family is under attack, it is uh, under attack by a diabolical spirit that wants to destroy the family system completely because it sort of mimics what God is doing through mankind. Man, God is creating after his own kind. He's creating children uh, after his own kind, sons and daughters that will be born into the family of God at the resurrection. And because of that, the you know i think satan hates that entire idea of the family system and so when we talk about physical families down here on earth you know father the nucleus family mother father and and children you know he hates that idea of that of, of he hates the idea of of husband and wives producing after their own kind producing children after their own kind. He hates that. And that is the one thing he is always, down through history, I believe, this is the one thing he has always sought to destroy, and that is the family system. And so here we are in today's society where people don't even know what gender they are, whether I'm male or female. We have the confusion of homosexuality where you know, you don't even, you know, for this cause shall a man leave his family and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one. God created them male and female. Well, we don't even get that as a society. And worse than that, we don't accept the authority of the Word of God. You know, I mean, what what good is it to read for this cause, you know, man, God created them male and female, what good is it to read that if you don't believe in the authority of that word? So our society is producing prodigal children like on a treadmill today. I mean, they're just popping out everywhere you look. Now, we need to get a definition of what is a prodigal. What is a prodigal ch- child? All right, I'm going to go through some definitions here of, of what I'm talking about. Number one, they're living their life like a fool. Okay. Uh, this could be compulsive spending money that they don't have. You know, I just spent $300 on this tattoo on my buttocks. And, you know, and, and, and what do you say when someone tells you that? It's not like you're going to say, well, let me see it. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, you're at a loss for words. I mean, you, you have this child who's got this arrogant pride, and uh, I just got a tattoo on my buttocks. And it's like, are we supposed to celebrate, throw a party, or what? And, uh, you know, but this, this is one of the characteristics of the prodigal child, living, like, living their life like a fool, compulsive, spent, compulsive spending, money that, that they don't have, rebellion, not interested in an advice, or instructions from anyone, especially, especially the parents. Okay, let me emphasize that. Especially, they want nothing to do with their parents' instruction, correction, you know, uh, authority, nothing to do with that. Prodigal children are totally self-absorbed, self-centered. These are the kinds of people that they might 
post 25 pics of themselves on Facebook a day because they are so self-absorbed and self-centered. Promiscuous living, sex, drugs, alcohol, wild living, reckless living, debauchery, sensual pleasure, and they are irresponsible. Uh, they just, they're totally irresponsible. They will not admit to their stupidity. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. So I want to give you some encouragement at this point because you may be thinking, well, you just described my son. You just you just described my daughter. I mean, this is what she's doing. This is how she lived. This is how he lives his life continuously. And I don't know what to, as a parent, I don't know what to do. I mean, what can I do? when you have a prodigal child. And that's what this message is all about, uh, maybe help, help, hopefully helping you to see and decide that there are things that you can do. And, uh, and of course, we're using the Bible as the guide in this. We're going to be looking at the prodigal son. And uh, anyway, so but I want to first give you some encouragement. You can do a lot of things right and still end up with a prodigal son or daughter. It's amazing. It, it really is because it, it's amazing because gender has nothing to do with it. In other words, you can have a, a prodigal uh, daughter, and yet your son, your son turned out quite well. You know, you can have a daughter that turns out quite well, and yet your son is totally a prodigal that went off the, d- the deep end. So what's interesting about this is that uh, gender has nothing to do with it. It can go either way with a prodigal. Now, <clears throat> there is a promise in the Bible, and I, I think we need to, I think this can give you some encouragement if you have a prodigal son or daughter. There is a promise in the Bible. It's Proverbs 22 and verse 6, and it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I want you to notice that this is a conditional promise. Your part is to train up a child, okay? And you see, okay, train up a child, and and maybe this is where you feel that you've screwed up big time. You didn't do what you uh, should have done. There's a lot of dynamics to, to this. You know, divorce can totally mess this up. I think it was Billy Graham that said divorce is like trying to unscramble an egg. You know, divorce, what the child is getting is mixed signals from the parents. And it's interesting, you may have a, you may have modeled, all right, in a divorce or before the divorce occurs, you may have had a, had a, a mother that did the proper modeling for the child. And then maybe you had a father who was totally irresponsible and absentee father, okay, that did not model right. Or vice versa, you can have a a good modeling father who is trying his best to rear his child properly, but then you've got a, a wife that is totally reckless and wild and running around and, and just, 
you know, so you have these mixed signals that the child is getting, especially when the relationship is headed toward a divorce. And often the prodigal will gravitate to the weaker link in this situation. In other words, oh, I, I, I got this father. I mean, he's cool. He's out getting drunk. He's totally irresponsible. He's, he's a couch potato. You know, he won't work. And uh, uh, he's lazy and all that. And I like him. He's cool. He's really. And so the prodigal will gravitate to the weaker link of the family. You know, the, the prodigal does not want authority, structure, you know, thus says the parent, thus says the Lord, instructions and righteousness and, you know, correction. You know, no, that's not, that's not what the prodigal, and that's why I say often the prodigal will gravitate to the weaker link in the family system. Now, you know, divorce, like I said, it's like trying to unscramble an egg, uh, 50% of marriages in an, in a divorce, and that includes it, whether you're religious or not. It's The statistics are the same in church and out of church. So, And that can be devastating because of the mixed signals that the child gets. So there's, there, there's all kinds of dynamics that can cause us to end up with a prodigal child. So tr- your part is to train up a child God's part is when the child is old, he will not depart. Or let's say he he will return at the end of his life. Okay. Now, th- there is much we can say about the humility that comes from getting old. You know, humility, I mean, getting old humbles us. I mean, let's just face reality and all its ugliness. You know, you, you it, it, it humbles us when we look into the mirror when you get old. Because what looking back at you is not this gorgeous, handsome, uh, when you get old, that is, uh, uh, gorgeous, handsome face, this nice figure, these ripped muscles. Yeah, when you get old, you're not seeing that. What's looking back at you in the mirror is, you know, flabby, fat, and wrinkles, and, and maybe toothless or whatever, you know, I don't know what it goes on, you know, it's all kinds of weird stuff, hair starts growing out your ears, you know, it grows in places where it's never grown before, and uh, you think, man, I'm getting ugly, and uh, so that way, the old age has a way of humbling us, and you know, and so, uh, you know, that tat that you got on your buttocks that you thought was so sexy, you know, when you get old, in, you know, in your 70s and 80s, and, and let me let me just say this. What do all el- older people who have had tattoos say? They all have one thing in common. They regret they ever got that nasty marking on their, on their body. But as you get old, your skin starts to sag. So, so when you get old, you know, your, your, your butt is going to be hanging past your knees, and that tat is going to look like someone threw a bucket of paint on your rear end, and it's starting to drip. And you're going to look deformed, uh, you know, but, but now you think it's sexy. Now you think it's cool because everybody's doing it. And you see, the prodigal only lives in the moment. You know, the the prodigal doesn't live outside the moment. It's self-gratification for the moment. They can't see past the moment. You have to understand this. They cannot see past the moment. They're living in their moment. Their day-to-day moment of self-gratification is what they're living in. 
Now, as we get old, especially when we get that diagnosis of maybe cancer or some kind of disease or something's wrong, you know, uh, I mean, you talk about humbling us. You talk about turning our hearts around and, and facing reality. Now, it's, uh, it's strange, though. Old age does not always work because, I mean, I've met old fools that never seem to grow up. And maybe you know on a few. You know, they're old, but they still, they're, still, they're, they're, they're still stupid, you know. And uh, they, they just, so old age, I, I guess, doesn't work for everyone. But, but I do believe that the fundamental factor of this verse, you know, when he is old, he will not depart to the teaching that he had when he was younger. I still believe that old age is one of the best things that will bring a prodigal back to his senses. Now, as a parent, we have the pain of enduring this process. We have the pain of waiting for this to happen. As the years slowly seem to tick by, and no, my child still hasn't learned anything, and no, they're still struggling, and no, they're still acting crazy, and no, they're still doing all these stupid things, and they're, they're, they're living their life like a fool. And so as a parent, you have to have the, the patience and the, and the peace of mind, and I'm not saying this is easy. But to realize there is a process of time, time must pass by before the prodigal comes to his senses in a lot of cases. Now, here's another thing. Your parents didn't teach you how to be a good parent. Now, they, they modeled for you. Yes, they modeled for you. But you see, that's up in the air also. You know, maybe the modeling was good. Maybe the modeling was bad. And again, you have this vice versa uh, uh, back and forth. You know, maybe the mother set the modeling in the family. and But maybe the father was an absentee father. He, he wasn't bad, but he was never there to teach. He was always gone from the family system. There is no school that taught us how to be parents. You know, I mean, your school system, surely... I mean, especially today, they can't figure out what, what's male and female, up or down, you know. So they didn't teach you how to be good parents. Your school didn't. Your college sure didn't teach you how to be a good parent. You know, when you go to college, you think, I'm out from underneath my parents' responsibility. I can do anything I want to, and they don't even know it. I can live my life like a fool. I can act like I can be a fool. and, and it So... There was no instructions in college about how to be good parents. You know, genital bonding didn't teach us how to be good good parents. You know, the couple in the back seat of the car in the heat of passion, they make love. A ch an unwanted child comes into the world that is not loved, that is not wanted, that is not appreciated. That didn't teach us how to be good parents. You see, none of, none of these things I'm going through taught us. And here's the sad part. Chances are your church didn't teach you how to be a good parent because they are the ministry in churches are often hamstrung you know i mentioned that 50 percent of people married people will end up getting a divorce 
that's true in and out of the church. So the church has the same statistics, 50%. And 50% of people in your church have gotten a divorce is basically what that's telling us. So the preacher, when it comes to teaching on the subject of parenting, he's going to have to skip around and dance around this issue of divorce, you know, He's not, he's not going to be able to touch on that very much, and and for, and for for the most part, doesn't. You just you probably your church did not teach you how to be a good parent. So as you you can see the dynamics of this message of of how that with a prodigal, man, the odds of uh, of of having a prodigal in your family system is 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 uh there's a high probability that you can have a prodigal son or daughter so what do you do when you have a prodigal son or daughter let's get to the scripture here luke 15 and verse 11 and he said a certain man had two sons now i want to just stop right there you know you can interpret this okay a certain man had two sons a certain man had two daughters a certain man had a son and a daughter it doesn't matter matter as i said earlier gender doesn't matter Okay, let's keep reading Luke 15 and verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he, the father, divided unto them his living. Now, why did this son want his inheritance? Which was probably a large sum of money. A large sum of money. Well, the next verse tells us, Luke 15 and verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You want, you want to underline that little statement, riotous living, because that's what the prodigal is. He's wasting away his life with riotous living. So I want to go back to the definition of of a prodigal, what a prodigal is. You know, Lord, you know, he said now, don't overlook this point that the father in this story represents God. Don't overlook that. The father in this story represents God. And so this man comes to his father and says, "I want my inheritance." For what? Well, to live like a fool. And so we have the the definition of a, of a prodigal, compulsive spending, money that they don't have, rebellion, not interested in advice or instructions from anyone, especially the parents, promiscuous living, sex, drugs, alcohol, totally self-absorbed, self-centered, wild living, reckless living, debauchery, sensual pleasure, irresponsible, stupidity. Okay. All right. Now, that that's what a prodigal is now here is where it gets interesting and that is the father's response here the son comes to the father and again don't overlook the fact that the father in this story represents god the father okay he comes and he says father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and he divides unto him his living you know here it is god will give us enough rope to hang ourselves god says okay you, you want to live like a fool here's your inheritance go at it go at it have at it and this is one of the things that i, I you know I, I love and yet dislike i don't want to say hate but okay i love and hate about god 
I love the fact that we are created a moral, free moral agencies with the ability to choose right from wrong. God will never take that away. God allows us the freedom to do whatever we want to do. Now, what I hate about this, that's what I love about God. Now, what I hate about this is the consequences of my bad decisions, you see. You know, you know I love the fact Let's say that I can fire up a cigarette three packs a day and smoke my cigarette and get some kind of comfort out of that, as, as smokers often do. You know, it's not just the nicotine. It's the thing you're doing with your fingers. You know, it's, it's, it's the busyness of smoking that becomes addictive also. But I, I, I love the freedom of that, but I hate getting the diagnosis that I've got lung cancer. You see, and and so when, so when I say God will give us enough rope to hang ourselves, and we're looking at the prodigal father, and we're looking at what he did and what he did not do, and so you know I don't know if God God has never stopped a chain smoker from from lighting up. God has never stopped an alcoholic, you know, from destroying his liver. God has never stopped the couple in the back seat of the car in the heat of passion. Bringing into bringing another unwanted, unloved child into the world, God's never stopped a drug addict from shooting up. Uh, I don't, God's never stopped a drunk driver, uh, you know, just drinking and drinking and drinking uh, and until he's drunk and has a head-on collision. I once saw a bumper sticker that said, "My son was killed by a drunk driver," and it was it brought tears to my eyes. I mean, I I, I thought how painful for the parent. But God didn't stop that. God didn't stop it. God will give us enough rope to hang ourselves. And this is one of the lessons of the prodigals, son or daughter, if you have one. Now, when you look at this story, if when you ask the question, okay, what the father did not do? Okay, we're going to look, we'll look at some things. Okay. What, the, what this father that represents God the Father, what he did not do. He did not reason with logic. Well, son, you're going to spend your inheritance. I mean, if you spend your inheritance, that's all the money you have, and you'll be broke the rest of your life. He did not reason with logic. He did not invite him over for Sunday dinners. He did not invite him over for game night every Wednesday. He did not invite him on family vacations. He did not invite him to church or revival meeting. It was a total leave of absence that the father allowed with no strings attached now get this okay it was a total leave of absence that the prodigal took that the father allowed with no strings attached you see every time you meet the prodigal halfway and this is an issue this is a big 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 issue Every time you meet the prodigal halfway, every time you try to fix the prodigal, every time you try to rescue the prodigal, every time you are a caretaker for the prodigal. And a caretaker is just a person who does for others instead of letting them do for themselves. You know, well, I'm going to do, for, and I know you should be doing that. I know you should be taking care of your own kid, but, but I, I'm going to do it for you. And I know you should be paying your own bills, but I'm going to pay them for you. And I know you shouldn't, you know, be doing this, but I'm going to do this for you. That's what you call the caretaker role when you do for others 
instead of letting them do for themselves. That's the caretaker role. Now, every time you get in this situation, you are only prolonging the recovery process. Now, I want to touch on another thing just quickly here. Uh, it's an issue of control, you know, especially if you have prodigals that are living at home. Often, what's going on there is a control issue. It's like, well, my life is miserable, and I want to make your life just as miserable as mine. That is the parents. So you want to pick up on that. Um, in the story of the prodigal, you know, he left home, and that's, that's a key point, I think. Uh, he left the home environment, but often those that stay in the home, they don't, they're a prodigal, but there's so much caretaking been going on. The parents are caretaking for, for the prodigal that they haven't even, you know, they, they allow him to live at home. And often what this goes into is a control issue. It's an issue of control that the prodigal has over the parents. I'm miserable, and I want you to be just as miserable as I am, or whatever. So it's, it's you got to, okay, it is the prodigal that has taken the leave of absence, and you as a loving parent allow the prodigal to take a leave of absence. Luke 15 and verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now here we, you know, that little statement, he began to be in want. You want to underline, circle that. And went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So we're dealing with, okay, how far did this father that represents God allow this prodigal to go? Well, he allowed him to go to the point where he began to be in want, and he blew all his money, and now he's got a job feeding pigs. He's in a pig pen feeding pigs, okay? And Luke 15, verse 16, it says, And he would gladly have filled himself with, with the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. Now, there's another little statement that you want to circle. You want to underline that. No one gave him anything. That is such a powerful statement. And again, we're asking, okay, where was the father? All right, not only is he in a pig pen, but he's eating pig's food. Where was the father? You know, where, where was the father? Now, was the father praying for him? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, I tell you, prayer is probably the, the biggest thing you can do if you have a prodigal. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what you, want, you, you need to be praying for here in just a little, a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to tell you what you need to be praying for as far as your children who are prodigals. I'm going to tell you what you need to be praying for. But, but uh, as we look at what the father was not doing, the father was not stalking him. The father was not hunting him down. The father was not begging and pleading. The father was not, he didn't devise a plan. Well, if I just invite them on a, invite them on a family vacation and Sunday dinners, they, they'll come around and they'll be influenced by my goodness. No, no, the father didn't do any of that 
No, it was the prodigal that left the protective shield of wisdom and instructions of the parents. The father was simply living his life as expected. You know? He just, you know, getting on with his life is what he was doing. Again, it was the prodigal that took the leave of absence from that protective, you know, uh, 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 the wisdom and the knowledge and the, and the correction that the parents could offer, the good advice of how to get this idiot's life back together. No, he abandoned. The prodigal has abandoned all of that. The prodigal doesn't want those kinds of answers. And so the, the father was simply living his life as, as expected, enjoying his wife, enjoying eating good food, enjoying, enjoying his property and, and, and all the beauty around him, his gardens and everything, yeah. Enjoying his work. That's what the father was doing. Now, again, I mentioned that, uh, well, Luke 15, verse 17, it says, And when he came to himself talking about the prodigal you want to underline that and when because this is the there is a restoration process that that can take place and it involves these words right here and when he came to himself you want to underline that you want to circle that when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat and to spare and i perish with hunger yeah the prodigal because of the harshness of the father and mother, allowing him to leave, not getting involved, not becoming a caretaker, not begging and pleading, not trying to work it out, not trying to solve all their problems, the prodigal's problems, okay? Eventually, he comes to himself. Now, the prayer, I mentioned I was going to tell you, the prayer that is needed is, is this, that the prodigal come to the end of his rope, that the prodigal come to himself. That's the prayer. And you want, what you also want to do is, in that prayer, you want to ask for a shield of protection to be around your son or your daughter, because believe me, they are going to need it. They are going to need this shield of protection around them because they're living their life like a fool and only God and his mercy and his angels can protect people like that. You know, I mean, I can think back to my teenage years and to some very stupid things that I did. You know, I, I had a, a 1970 model Stingray Corvette and I did some stupid things with that car. And I know there was an angel there to protect me and to keep me alive, okay? To keep me alive. So, you, so the prayer that is needed, and that's a hard prayer, that, that my child come to himself, that my child come to the end of his rope, but I also ask God that you put your shield of protection around this child because they're living their life like a fool. Luke 15, verse 18, And I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. What you're looking for from the prodigal is to come home. And home is a literal place. It's not a phone call where the prodigal, you know, uh, Dad, could I borrow $100 or, or, or could you babysit for me for one day, a couple days here? No, that, that's, not, that's not repentance. Okay, that's not. You're looking for in the spirit of repentance for the prodigal to come home and to admit, I have been a fool. 
I am a fool. Now that takes some coming to. I mean, you you don't just a person doesn't doesn't just admit that willingly. Okay, they have to come to the end of their rope to even say this. They have to come to the end of the rope to even have this spirit of repentance like this, where they say, I have been a fool. Now, if your prodigal is a manipulator, there may be a pretense of repentance. You know, there, there can be tears, real tears, crocodile tears, tears rolling down the eyes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Could you loan me a hundred dollars? Oh, I'm just so bad. I'm just such a bad person. I'm so sorry. Can you babysit for me? Okay, that's not real repentance. That's not real. If they're still asking, if you're still fulfilling the role of the caretaker, you haven't reached real repentance yet. Let me repeat that. If you're still fulfilling and doing the caretaking role where you're doing for others instead of letting them do for themselves, they have not reached real repentance. Okay. Luke 15 verse 9 and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Notice, there is a recognition and an acknowledgement that I have hurt the ones that have brought me into this world. This is real repentance. When this, when this prodigal says, look, I am not even worthy. I don't deserve to be called your son, your daughter. That's how bad I am. Okay. Now, that's powerful. That's, that's, that's what you talk, you're talking about, real repentance. You're talking about the acknowledgement that I've hurt the ones who have brought me into this world, my, my very own parents. Okay. Luke 15, verse 20, and he arose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Yeah, reconciliation, forgiveness. All of this is what you're looking for, but there must be real repentance. Now, I want to digress a little bit and ask the question, what if children are involved? What if the prodigal has brought another you know, child into the world? What if children are involved? Now, if you're talking about a, a real prodigal, as we have discussed, my advice would be complete custody of the child must be taken. The child will be destroyed in the presence of a prodigal is, is the point. Uh, and, and, and I know, you know, what you're thinking. You're thinking, as a parent, you may be thinking, what? Take complete custody of this child? You know, I'm 50 years old. I've got retirement in view. I'm, I'm wanting to enjoy the end of my life. And I understand what you're thinking. And I understand uh, wh where you're coming from when you think that. But, but here it is. If children are involved, if the prodigal has brought children into the world, the child will be destroyed in the presence of a prodigal. A prodigal is not fit to be a parent. And that is one of the points you want to get across to the prodigal. You're not fit to be a mother. You're not fit to be a father. They need to hear that. They need to understand that. Now, when I say complete custody, you know, again, what I'm talking about is 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 the prodigal cannot see the child without supervision. That's what I mean. It's too dangerous for the child. 
Don't fall for any of this. Well, we just need to have father and daddy time together after 30 days of being totally absent. Okay. After 30 days of not even showing up, not a phone call, not anything. Well, we just need to have father, daughter, father, son time together. Don't fall for that. Do not fall for that. Because what you're talking about, here's what you're talking about. It's the potential for abuse, particularly sexual abuse, especially if it's a girl. If your prodigal has brought a little girl into the world, and as she starts to develop, and her breast starts to develop, and her figure starts to develop, you know, you're just looking for, you're looking for your abuse. You're going to get abuse, sexual abuse, because, again, remember, the prodigal is unfit to be a parent. And you know what is sad? So sad. Until the prodigal comes to his senses, he will not even care that he cannot see his child. Oh, she may put on a good act, but you see, he never wanted the child in the first place. He never wanted the child in the first place. She never wanted the child in the first place. Now, I know this has been a hard message to take, and but don't ever lose hope. That person, you know, recently I heard someone say, I overheard a conversation where they said, well, that person will never change. They're too far gone. You know, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that there is a person too far gone. I, you know, with God, all things are possible. With God, it is possible for God to bring a person to the end of their rope, um, you know, where, to the end of their, themselves, you know, as the prodigal story reveals to us, and when he came to himself, this is possible only through God's, you know, leadership and power. But it has to do with, you know, God's work has to do with if, if we, the parents, don't get in the way of, of God doing his work, of a person coming to the end of the rope, end of his rope. You know, if we're always a caretaker, then chances are we're getting in the way of, of God's work, which is painful. Which You better believe it's painful. You better believe that there's going to be some heartaches uh, with, with the prodigal. But I believe that with God, all things are possible. God can change the prodigal heart, and you can have a celebration. You can have a celebration. Luke 15 and verse 24, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to be Mary. You know, sometimes as a parent, we look back at old photos of our children and we look back before their innocence was lost and we say, why? What happened? What could I have done better? Where did I go wrong? And often we, we, uh, we beat ourselves up and, and, and I'm telling you, you know, no parents want their child, children to be lost and to be dead. And that's, that's what this says here in this parable. My son was lost, and now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. He's alive. You know, none of us want that. But, but I want to encourage you, you know, not self-condemnation as a parent will get you nowhere. If all you do is just sit around and think about the past and think about what happened and think about how rebellious your child is now, this prodigal, 
and and criticize yourself and condemn yourself, that will get you nowhere. That will just bring upon you depression and anxiety and and uh, just just a lot of bad things. So, no parent wants their children to be lost and to be dead. So, I you know I pray, and I think uh, we all join one another in this prayer. Uh, we ought to pray for one another. Our churches ought to be praying for us and for one another. And I pray for all prodigals to be found and to come alive again. Would you join me in that prayer? If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.